for everything oh, for everything indie for everything cults it's the blue horseshoe now. now here's your host george bremer and ryan hickey Welcome, Colts fans, this live edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you. And just moments ago, George, you and I were talking, and I figured there's no other way to say, no better way to introduce this positive. Colts lose 19-10. They get swept by the Titans yet again. But Sunday felt like, or earlier today, just felt like Groundhog Day. Same issues all over again. And for the offensive optimism we saw last week against the Jaguars, boy, oh boy, was that wiped away and wiped away very quickly here. You are in a closet in the Nissan Stadium press box. How are we doing, Georgia? And what was just what is your surprise level, I guess, of seeing kind of things go back to the same old, same old for most of the season for the Colts offense? I'm sadly not that surprised because, you know, we talked about it last week. How sustainable was this? I think they schemed around the offensive line for a week. Tennessee kind of watched that tape. They knew it was coming. They were ready for it. And you can only scheme around the offensive line support play so long. I mean, that that's why we're living in Groundhog Day. I mean, all roads lead back to that one spot. Um, it's frustrating. It, it's, you know, it, it makes for not a great entertaining thing for us to talk about because it's the same thing week after week after week. Um, you know, I wish I was more surprised, honestly. But I think we're just at a point where um, – this is going to be a very inconsistent at best offense. And, you know, that, that's where we are. There's so much to get into here. Colts fans, thanks for joining us right here on this live edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod. We have, is it time to consider a, a head coaching, you know, uh, change with, with Frank Reich after yet another offensive struggle? We'll talk about Matt Ryan, his awful, awful, awful performance along with the offensive line. A big time wasted defensive effort where they shut out the Titans from the end zone. At least the only touch on this score, obviously, was on that pick six, Matt Ryan. And yet again, the AFC South dreams of winning the division go right down the drain with yet another season sweep from the Tennessee Titans. But like you said, George, just know I'll start with right now. The the biggest issue for this Colts offense has been twofold. It's been turnovers, and it's been bad offensive line play. They go hand-in-hand together. We talked about in the preview pod on on Friday's edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod about how the Colts need to be a pass-first team again, especially when you're talking about going up against the worst pass defense in all the NFL. Titans are 32nd out of 32 teams when it comes to stopping the pass. They were, to their credit, tried to be a pass-first team. It was, you know, 44 passing attempts compared to just 17 runs. But in the end, George, we're looking at an offense that scored one touchdown, 10 points, and three more turnovers that that proved costly. Matt Ryan was under siege all day long. We both should have known better. And I'll at least speak myself, kind of saying, all right, you saw what they did last week in Jacksonville. This maybe could be repeatable. This could be how this Colts offense is supposed to look going forward. But shame on me, especially for thinking that what they did last week was repeatable, especially when we have yet to see this Colts offense, let alone the whole team have, you know, put two good quarters together or two good halves together, let alone two good games in a row. That was foolish for even thinking that was a possibility on Sunday because, boy, oh, boy, we learned and learned quickly. It was not the case. Yeah, you know, I feel the same way. You know, I bought into it. I thought, okay, they've they've unlocked something. They're going to at least have this quick passing game. It should help things out. But the thing that I didn't count on and I should have is Mike Vrabel, you know, expecting that. I mean, they came out. They knew it was going to happen. They played tight press coverage. They, they made good, clean tackles, and they made the Colts take the long way. And, and once again, the Colts self-destructed. And, and that's what you see with this football team again and again. If the defense just keeps everything in front of them and makes good, clean tackles, this offense is more likely to self-destruct than it is to find the end zone. And, and you know, it, it's the same thing week after week after week. Um, I think the stat that we probably didn't pay enough attention to last week that really came through this week, even though there were no sacks on those 58 dropbacks, which is still an incredible number, there were six quarterback hits. They were still getting to Matt Ryan, even the game winning touchdown. You know, he was hit, uh, had to work through that to, to get the ball out. There's just not enough going on up front to trust. And and it's leading to, and I, I saw some people during the game on Twitter saying, why don't they run under center? And you saw that for the first five weeks. I think that's a self <laughs> yeah. I think that's a self-evident answer. They don't run under center because they can't. They're getting no push with this offensive line. They're getting very little protection with this offensive line. It boils down to two things. They can't protect the quarterback, and as a result, the quarterback can't protect the football. And it's really it's more a wonder that they're 3-3-1 three, three, and one 
that that they've won three games like this than it is that that you saw the regression that that happened today. I'm curious your thoughts because you were obviously live in person watching this game. So for me watching on TV, I felt for the first time this year, especially in this game, Matt Ryan. I don't want to say he was playing scared. It's unfair, but looked skittish to me where he kind of was dropping back and you could almost kind of tell he had no faith in protection. And I think that pick six that he threw where he just basically got the snap. And to me, it felt like just blindly threw the ball to the flat and Harris Campbell was not, they were, they were not on the same page. That was just one of those Matt Ryan goes, all right, I know that, you know, there's going to be a free rusher and they're not going to pick it up. I'm just getting rid of this ball. And it's either going to, you know, hopefully Paris Campbell knows if not, I'm just, I just got to get rid of it. And it felt like anytime he was dropping back, there's always, you know, him falling back. He wasn't stepping into his throws. He didn't have any sort of confidence in the offense line to protect him. We saw it a little bit earlier in the season, but now when you're talking about seven games worth of evidence where you have where you get sacked three times and hit ten times in this game, to me, it felt like again, watching from TV, it felt like this was the first time Matt Ryan truly felt skittish and truly did not trust his offensive line to protect him in this game. Did you get kind of the same sense? I, I think it, it is similar to what, what we've seen for six out of the seven weeks. I mean, he was under pressure almost the whole game. There were a couple of times he stepped up and did a really good job. A lot of times he stepped up and tried to get away from pressure only to run into more pressure because there was just that many guys in the backfield. Um, you know, I, I don't think it was any different than, you know, the first time they played Tennessee or, you know, the Kansas City game's probably the one outlier. Maybe it's five out of seven, I should say. I think the Kansas City game – he had a little bit more poise and, and and seemed to be able to stand in there a little bit longer. Um, but honestly, you know, the, the one thing you notice is that the longer any of these plays take, the more likely the outcome is to be negative. You know, if, if this if he's in the pocket for more than three seconds, bad things tend to happen. And whether that's a sack or whether it's a, a turnover, um, but it, you know, a lot of it comes down to this has always been a timing and rhythm offense. That's what Frank Reich runs. And when you're not getting the play blocked up the way it's designed, yeah, I think the quarterback's going to look skittish because the pressure's coming way sooner than it should. And, you know, the answers that he has built in, the places he's supposed to, to step up into to, to give him some breathing room aren't there. So, yeah, it goes back to I, I hate to be a broken record, but it all comes back to the same place. They've tried 100 different combinations. They've tried going up tempo now. They've tried everything I think – that you can think of and this offensive line just can't consistently hold up from one play to the next. We'll get to Matt Ryan specifically in his two interceptions here in a second, but you're right. It does start with the five guys in front of him that were supposed to protect him. Another bad game they can mention just offline is all again, all five Quinn Nelson, you know, who's supposed to be one of the best just flat out football players in the NFL. Again, whether it's Danico Autry getting them, whether it's Jeffrey Simmons getting them. I know they're, you know, very talented players, but holding calls, just getting beat. It was ugly yet again for this Colts offensive line. Like, what else is it? Let me ask you this, George. At what point do you just gotta look at yourself and say, look, we gotta make a change out of the offensive line coach? Like, we just cannot keep running this back. Cause I feel like even just through seven weeks, this feels like the definition of insanity if the Colts try to run back this same unit with the same guy coaching them for uh an eighth game next week. To me, that's where the, the change on the staff that makes the most sense. I mean, you've tried everything else, you've tried the tempo. You've tried moving around the pieces on the line, and I don't know if it'll make a difference, but I think you're at a point now where change up the scheme, change up the way they're being coached, you know, put a different voice in their in their head. Um, I, I don't know. I, nothing's going to change, I think, consistently uh, until this offensive line is able to, to put on a better performance. You saw them scheme around it against Jacksonville. Uh, they tried again today, and Tennessee had an answer for that. I think if you face a team like maybe Washington next week, maybe they're not as good a tackling team as Tennessee is. You can get away with more of this. You can break some more tackles and get some big plays that way. Maybe you can take some more risks downfield, some more jump ball type, you know, plays to, to Michael Pittman Jr., those kind of things. But it, to me, they're they're all, you know, putting lipstick on a pig at this point. You, you can do a lot of things cosmetically to try to change the outcome, but until you the basis of your of your offense is that line, you know, keeping a clean pocket? And I thought it was interesting. Frank Reich said after the game, he felt like the pocket was pretty clean today. I think it'll be interesting if he feels that same way after he watches tape. You know, he's not gonna he's not gonna tell us, but I I don't agree with him on that from my vantage point. I there were a couple plays, sure, there were a couple right. plays where there was a clean pocket, uh, but I, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the pressure stats were. But you just said ten hits on 
44 dropbacks. So right, right there, it's going to be close to 25% pressure rate. He really said that in the post game press guys. He thought there was some, you know, the pocket was for the most part clean throughout the game. He said he thought there were some clean pockets today. I don't know if he said for the most part, but oh, okay, uh, so was like, you there know, were he, a few. Like that fourth mm -hmm. down conversion that was to Michael Pittman Jr. I think it was like 10, 15 yard passing. He had time to step up. Like there were in glimpses. But if we're talking about now trying to highlight glimpses out of this high speed offensive line, it's like yep. it's just almost like a losing battle at that point. Like you're admitting defeat. And, I, and that's the thing. I mean, I, that's why it feels like groundhog duck. Because you come back every week, we say the same thing. Well, if they have a little more time in the pocket, the receivers, it, the most astounding thing to me is the receivers are doing their job. They have a different guy step up every week. This was Paris Campbell's day, I think. Yeah. Uh, 10 catches for 70 yards for him, both career highs uh, for the second straight week for him. And every week that's happening. Every week there's, there's a guy who steps up and you say, hey, the, great job by Alec Pierce. Great job by Jelani Woods. Great job by Mo Alley Cox. You know, there's, there's a different guy stepping up in the passing game. Coming into the year, that's where we thought the problem was going to be. Can these guys get open? Can these guys make plays? They're doing their job. I think there's been a couple times. I think if you go back through the tape and really look at it closely, there were a couple times today where they probably didn't get open and there was good protection. But there's far more times where the line just didn't give them time to even get anything going. And that, to me, is the most astounding thing. If, if I had made a list back in August of 100 ways this season could go wrong, I, I don't know where the offensive line would have been, but it wouldn't have been in the top 75. I would totally agree. And let me ask you this, George, because at least for me, I still think Quinn Nelson's a really good player. I still have faith that Ryan Kelly can get back to that Pro Bowl level we have seen and Brady Smith were kind of right there as well. I don't think these guys just forgot to play football or just we've seen the best of them like, and the best days are behind them. I still think they're, they're good and whether, again, it's just a new voice in their ear, a new way to teach the technique that they, you know, um, that they are getting taught right now. I just think that is a change that's needed more than overhauling the actual players themselves. Are you still at a point where you believe in the players uh, for the most part? Or is it kind of like, do we have to start questioning, do they make a mistake paying Quinn Nelson? Is it time to start exploring, a, you know, a new center uh, potential next year? Like, where are you at in terms of just the skill level of some of the foundational pieces of that offensive line? Yeah, it's hard to say because things are going so poorly right now that it's hard to really point your finger at exactly what the cause is. Uh, but my feeling is, you know, overall, they paid these guys for a reason. We've seen much better play from all of them than we've seen this year. I think, you know, one thing I thought last year, last week would do, and it didn't happen, is that they would get a little bit of positivity. That's one of the things I thought was happening. I, I remember when Dave Guglielmo came in in, in 2017 in, or in 2018, and the offensive line turned around for the first time because, you know, for years it, it was the issue here. And one of the things that he was talking about is that when he came in here, those guys always had their head down. They were always thinking about the next negative thing that could happen. And they kind of perked up. You know, they got some success. They had that 200-yard rushing game against Buffalo. They followed that up with a 200-yard rushing day against the Raiders. They started to get some confidence. And you saw that last for three years, really, with this team. And I feel like it's gone the other way. I feel like there's a lot of negativity now. I think it's breeding more negativity. They're feeling like something bad's going to happen. They're not going to come out and say it, but it feels like they're feeling like something bad's going to happen on the next snap instead of putting it away and, and being ready to go. And that's bleeding into, I think, both Matt Ryan and Jonathan Taylor and the reasons that they're having trouble trusting the line. I thought you know that that game against Jacksonville maybe would be that push they needed, set that fire underneath them. You get that positive outcome and you can build off of that, but you come back out today and it looked the same as it has really the last five times against Tennessee where the Titans just came out in the trenches and whipped this football team. And we talked about on Friday's pod, the re like if momentum is real, like can you, is that a real thing that a team can carry from one half to the next and one game to the next? I said, yes. And to, to going back to you, what you just said about positivity, that, that should have been coming off that game over Jacksonville a reason for the offensive line to feel good about themselves and believe, hey, we're going to go with Tennessee and we're going to push these guys around. We're going to at least protect Matt Ryan and keep him upright. And like you said, it just felt like it was like, here we go again. And like kind of once the first sack or once the first quarterback hit came, that all was undone. And all that good momentum and positivity just kind of went out the window, which again goes back to George now. Two things, a, a, an offensive line coach change would one, maybe, maybe provide a little spark and just kind of maybe help flush out some of that negativity. But also, too, I get you're not going to make dramatic shifts and you're not going to, you know, bring in your brand new offensive line coach you're going to have here next year. She said they make a move in season. You're not going to hire him now, right? You're going to hire him after the season. 
But at least if you make a change and you try something new, you can then at least maybe get an answer to what we were just talking about before. Is it the scheme or is it the players? Like, again, I think Quentin Nelson right now is a better player than what he's shown. You're on the fence and you're probably rightfully so. But at least now if you get a different voice, a different way to teach, you can kind of start to see, okay, maybe it was just the way he's being taught or maybe it truly is the, the player itself. We got to, you know, evaluate and consider a change. Either way, at this point with where this cold season is going, where you can kiss the AFC South goodbye, we'll get to that a little bit later. And you start to look at three, three, and one, this team not really going anywhere. You now already, it's still early, but you start to need to start to think ahead to 2023 and get answers about who is going to be here and maybe where you got to shore up some areas to make sure that this doesn't repeat itself again next season. Yeah, because as big as the quarterback question is, and and it's going to be until they get that guy who is the franchise guy, whenever that, you know, whenever that happens down the road. Uh, right now, the offensive line is an even bigger problem because it doesn't matter who you put under center right now. If the offensive line plays the way they have this year, no one's going to look at it. And I don't even have to – that's not even like me just throwing straws out there. Look at Aaron Rodgers right now. Look at Tom Brady right now. If the offensive line is playing as poorly as the offensive line is playing, it does not matter who's under center. It's not going to look good. The results are not going to be what you want. And I agree with you. That's why I think maybe you do need to get a new scheme in here because you've got to figure out that's got to be the immediate area of focus. What can you do to get this line to a point where it's not such a liability that's costing this football, this team games? That has to like Chris Bell has talked about building a team from the inside out, right? He wants to be strong in the trenches and build outward. Well, we have seen so far that has not been the case, and that's the biggest reason why so far, like I said, this Colts team is 3-3-1 three, three, and one, and why this offense just continues to be inept uh, game after game. is because there's no time to throw, no time to have you know different route concepts or be explosive whatsoever because it has to be two, three-step drop, get the ball out quick, or else Matt Ryan, you know, like we've seen, is going down. So we do welcome those who are tuning in. This is the live post-game pod edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. I am Ryan Hickey. He is George Bremer live from Nashville as we are yet again reacting to what has been a pitiful loss of the Titans, 19-10 on, on Sunday. Now the Colts are 3-3-1 yet again, another season sweep from the Titans. And yet again, a game where Matt Ryan has costly turnovers. Colts, three turnovers in this game, two for Matt Ryan, two interceptions on back-to-back drives. The only touchdown Tennessee scored today came on that pick six. And it's frustrating to George because, again, we look at the offensive line and the problems start there. But also, too, you look at Matt Ryan. One of the frustrations, one of the things we talked about, the right, the one of the reasons why he was brought in and Colts got rid of Carson Wentz is because he was supposed to make the easy throws. He was supposed to basically keep the Colts ahead of the chains. He wasn't going to light it up and be like his MVP season where he's going to throw over 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns, but he was going to constantly keep this team in second and five, you know, third and two. And always just kind of make this smart play where Carson Wentz, we saw just in the second half of games, kind of be careless with the football at times and, you know, go for the home run shot and have drives stall when they could have just got, you know, got a three-yard pickup for a first and keep the chains moving. At least when it comes to the turnovers, he has absolutely not been as advertised. Nine interceptions, three fumbles so far now through seven games, 12 total turnovers. And George, yet again, here we are talking about a costly interception. Again, the difference in the game is a pick six, the only touchdown Tennessee scores. And it's just maddening because he was brought in here to at least, worst case, take care of the football. And that's the, the thing he's done right now, the worst out of everything. Yeah, I mean, a lot of his other numbers are pretty good. He completed 75% of his passes again today. He did a lot of other things well, but it doesn't matter. When you turn the ball over twice and one of them is the difference in the game, you know, it, it really doesn't matter what else you did. Uh, it, it's been a, a variety of things that have led to it, um, but it's it's another area that simply has to to improve. I mean, it, much like with the offensive line, you can go back and and you can talk about anything else that that, that you want to talk about, but until the quarterback stops turning the ball over, they're not going to be a consistently good offense. I, I don't, you know, twelve turnovers through seven games is is way more than than you could possibly find acceptable for anybody under any circumstances. Um, there's explanations. I mean, he's usually really good about talking about these things. He was again today, you know, the, the first one, basically it all started with the face mask that was missed, you know, which is uh, just horrendous. Now I, Ni- you want to talk about an obvious one. How else do the referees think Naeem Himes was able to turn his body completely around untouched? Uh, where, where was he tackled? It was That's obvious. what I said. 
His body went one way, his head went another way. He called it egregious. He's not wrong. Uh, but Frank Reich admitted he was arguing that play too long. He didn't get the play call into the huddle as quickly as he should have. When the Colts got up to the line, what the Titans showed, they didn't show until after Ryan's first cadence. So at that point, he didn't have time to check out. He knew they were in a bad look. He wanted to check out of that bad look. He didn't have time to check out of it. And he admits he should have you know, just put the ball in the dirt. I think they probably should have just called timeout at that point and just taken a deep breath and said, all right, let everybody get, let the frustration of the missed call go. Cause it turns into a, a game turning play. Obviously he ends up, you know, trying to throw what technically is a hot route Paris. It was miscommunication. Paris Campbell basically is thinking I, I'm, I can be the hot route in this situation, but my job is to, to take these two defenders that are coming out at me and pull them out of the way so they can get the ball to the back. He thinks the ball is going to the running back. Matt Ryan's thinking I got to get the ball the hot, hot route. It ends up in the hands of a, of a Tennessee defender. And one of the things about that quick passing game is that more often than not, when you do throw a pick in that situation, it they're going to have a really good chance to be a pick six because there's nobody, you know, there's nobody in between him and the end zone. And it really felt like everything about this game changed then. I mean, you were talking earlier about the negativity building on top of the negativity. And this offense has such a little tiny margin for error right now that it really felt like with that pick six that was it you know if that drive ends in a field goal we're probably having a totally different conversation right now uh but because it ended the way that it did it sparks tennessee and again it's different things but all five of these consecutive victories by the titans come back to the same thing tennessee makes plays when it has to and the colts don't and they don't give you you know opportunities with turnovers that they outside of that stupid frankly Malik Willis uh sweep call that gave the Colts for a second there a little shot of life otherwise it's like they they don't beat themselves like you mentioned and like they, they do make sure you can or they do capitalize on mistakes the Colts have made and the Colts have made constant now mistakes in this five game losing streak and now six out of the last seven games and like I said that's the biggest reason why and just like that is the frustration of Matt Ryan and so far, again, there's a lot of blame to go on the offensive line, but that that pick six specifically, again, you are a veteran court. You're there for 15 years. Like you mentioned, George, he should have either thrown in the ground or called timeout. One of the two. The last thing you got to be doing there early in the game when it's three nothing is blindly or hoping Paris Campbell and you are on the same you know wavelength and you just throw the ball basically into the flat and hope he's there. You have to know, like you have to make sure you are on the same page. Or like you said, when the play gets in late and it's like, oh, this is not going to work. Take a t- take a timeout. It's early in the game. The last thing, the, the only thing you cannot do in that situation is exactly what Matt Ryan did. Mm-hmm. Throw a pick six. You change it in total complexion of the game. You had a nice drive, too, up to that point. You're converting third downs. You're, the quick passing game is working. Jonathan Taylor is finding holes. And then just like that, all of the air is let out of the balloon. And yet again, we're talking about a Colts team, George, trying to dig themselves out of a hole. You need your veteran quarterback. Just be smarter. Just be smart yep. in that situation. Don't play hero ball. And that is just the latest example of Matt Ryan not playing smarter. And it really cost him the Colts. And I think that all goes – the reason I think that all goes back to the offensive line is you saw him finally do it in the second half. You saw him throw a couple balls away. And I asked him about that after the game. I said, you know, you just take a live for the next down mentality. Is that is that kind of the way to fix these these turnover problems? And he said he's kind of been that way his whole career. I don't think he liked the question very much. I don't really blame him. I didn't really like asking it very much, but, you know, it's what has to be done. Um, But he said, you know, it's kind of the way he's been his whole career. But I think he's in a situation where, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, he does not believe that deep down, he does not believe that that throwing the ball away or throwing it in the dirt is going to to lead to a different result, that he doesn't trust that the next down is going to be any better. He feels like he's got to force something and make something happen on every play. And, you know, maybe he's wrong. We'll we'll never find out right now. We will if he starts playing more like he did in the second half, and he does take those throwaways. I just remember when Matt Hasselbeck was here, it's one of the things that he drove into Andrew Luck's head. You know, sometimes the best thing you can do is live to, to get another play, whether that's a check down or it's throwing the ball into the front row of the, the stands like Ryan Tannehill did once today, you know, whatever it takes, just like you said, don't throw it to the defense. Don't, don't give them that chance. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's on everybody. There's no doubt the quarterback has to make better decisions, but I think both him and Jonathan Taylor are making some decisions right now that are uncharacteristic uh, because they don't really trust what's going on in front of them. 
And hearing Matt Ryan, like, I think you're 100% right too, by the way, because, again, this is another game where we talk about the lack of exposure in the offense and even the quick passing game. Like, you watch this Colts offense, there is no real threat. Like, if you are an opposing defense, there's really nothing to be afraid of. Like, Michael Pittman Jr. is a great, a really good receiver who's up and coming, I think, is making his way to being, you know, one of those upper echelon wide receivers in the NFL. Jalen Taylor's Reno is a, is a great running back. But there's no explosion. And that, again, it goes back to the offensive line because they can't block. They can't, can't open up any holes. So there's no real room for Jalen Taylor to make a 20, 25, hell, a 40-yard run like we saw last year. And there's no time for Matt Ryan to take a, a, a drop back and sit there for three seconds and have, you know, take a shot deep. So it's like anytime the Colts are, are running or running a pass play, you kind of know it's within, you know, 10 yards and in. So it makes defending this so much easier. There's no real threat. And to your point, too, it makes it then so much harder to, if you're Matt Ryan, I guess buy into throwing the ball away because you realize, well, we're going to need then, you know, we need basically every single down to go right for us because anytime there's a penalty, anytime there's, you know, a missed assignment, like this team cannot overcome, um, you know, some of those long yard situations because yeah. they can't go 40 yards the next play. That's so exactly it. the emphasis. I think that's exactly it. This offense needs too many things to go right. Even a, even a, a a run that loses a yard or two is a major setback to this team. You know what I mean? They they need too many things to go right. They have to be able to go on schedule, as they like to say, all the way down the field. You know, it's got to be like second and five, third and three, and then a first down. Anything that gets them off of that schedule right now leads to really bad results. And And again, I mean, people hate to hear it. I think people want to make this a simple solution. They want to fire Frank Reich and that'll fix everything. They want to put, you know, take Matt Ryan out and that'll fix everything. The problem is, and the reason it feels so fatalistic right now, this is on the offensive line. And you have tried repeatedly to fix that. You have tried almost every combination you can think of out there. And you have now gone to a no huddle offense trying to scheme around them and nothing makes a difference they're still in a situation where their margin for error is zero right now on offense. You can't, like you said, you know, when, when you feel more confident and, you, and your quarterback can take a seven step drop, you can overcome these negative plays. This team right now, a holding penalty is the end of the world. A, a, a two yard loss is a major setback. They yep. have got to have a perfect operation all the way down the field. It's almost, we've made this comparison before too, but it rings true, especially after you watch this offense today, it is almost like a triple option offense. Like when they are on schedule and they're getting three, four, five yards a pop, this it's a hard offense to defend. But as soon as there's, like I said, a loss on, uh, you know, a, a negative gain, a penalty that pushes back, a fumble made that you recover, it's just a sack, whatever it is, you're off schedule. All of a sudden now, those drives just come to a screeching halt. You look at Jonathan Taylor today in the rushing game. Let's hear it. I was going to say that that's why they were arguing the face mask penalty so much because yeah, that was a two point, or three actually. yard loss. And if you get the call, you're you're down and you're in. That's it. All feeds back into itself. But that's why you know. I think if you do, you think the Chiefs care that? I know they're losing right now. But do you think the Chiefs care that much about a missed face mask? No, because they know they can get, get twenty yards, yards the next anyway. play. But I think the fact right. that Matt Ryan and and Frank Reich were so adamant that that's why. I mean, sorry they, to right. interrupt, but that's that's no. where it comes from. Your hard work is they know we can't be explosive whatsoever. We need everything to go right, and it's just. It is, it is on the offensive line, first and foremost, right? Because you, if you can't block, you can't call anything deep. And then you look to it, you know, in the box score today, Jonathan Taylor's longest run of the game, and he had a solid game in his return, and very limited carries, but 14 yards is his biggest run of the day. Passing-wise, the biggest throw of the day was Alec Pierce, 20-yard, you know, catch and run there a little bit. And then it was 14 and 14, Michael Pittman Jr., Nine Hines, too. So you have, George, four plays that were basically 20 yards or less uh, as your most explosive. That's it. Like the mm-hmm. biggest play of the day is 20 yards. Th- and you and look at this theme. And you look at this and I know people are right away going to say, why did Taylor only carry the ball 10 times? He averaged 5.8 yards per carry. Go back and actually watch the game when he's carrying the ball, when he was getting the runs, they were in spread formations. They were in the shotgun. The Titans weren't expecting them to run whenever they ran on first or second down, even in that, setting Tennessee stuffed it. So I don't think it was going to, I don't think the answer was to give him more yards. I think they picked the, the, the right spots when they gave him carries and he was able to take advantage of it, but it goes back to what you were talking about before. At some point you got to pop off a 25 yard pass to get him the room to run to, to allow him to have more carries. And they can't, they can't do it right now. 
you know, and the 20 yard pass to Pierce was almost a miracle. Yeah. And I think the perfect way to highlight this or highlight this point is just this. The Titans offense today was not very good. Like Derrick Henry, you know, mm -hmm. he, he finished strong, which is something that he hasn't really done, but this offense really did nothing so far that they stalled once he got down to red zone. The Colts defense played a really good game, but they you did. look at just the, how well the Colts played. And then you look at still some of the explosive plays the Titans had. You had Derrick Henry, his longest run of the day, 23 yards. Austin Hooper, his biggest catch and run, that insane circus catch, 23 yards. Cody Hoster, 27-yard play. So we're talking about a Colts offense that outgained Tennessee by almost 50 yards, where the Colts defense really, for the most part, put the clamps on this Tennessee offense, and you had Ryan Tannehill limping around the end. And they still had at least three different explosive plays that were bigger than the biggest play the Colts had. Like even a bad offense like Tennessee is still getting more chunk yards than the Colts can. That's what's so frustrating right now for this football team. The defense is playing winning football most of the time. They've had they had a bad game last week. Obviously, they had a bad first half the first time against Tennessee, and they had a bad first half against Houston. But most of the time, they played really good football and they've been playing winning football. And your offense is so inept that it just doesn't matter. They're not able to put points up. Now I give the defense a lot of credit, and I know some of it's lip service, but. Talked to Zaire Franklin and Bobby Okereke after the game, and both of them said, we have to give up less points than the offense scores. We don't care. We weren't perfect either. You know, we gave up points, period, and, and that's too much. Uh, and so I think that's the defense's mentality. I know that that comes from, from Shaquille Leonard. He's always kind of been that guy who, who's going to step forward and say that. I think they've taken on that mentality. Uh, but I, I don't know if he can play much better than DeForest Buckner did today. I'll be quite honest. I don't know if a defensive tackle, maybe Aaron Donald, I don't know anybody else, any human could play much better than DeForest Buckner did today. He was everywhere. Uh, but does it matter in the end result? No, because the Titans made the plays when they had to make them. And again, that goes back to them, even with a banged up offensive line. They had two starters out. Their center was in and out the whole game. They still trust and have enough trust and belief in that line to go and make a play like they did uh, you know, the biggest other than the pick six, the next biggest play in this game is the third down conversion. They have at 16 to 10. They're at their own 44 yard line. The ball gets deflected. It's caught a great catch by Austin Hooper. I mean, give him all the credit, uh, you know, for, for that play. Uh, and all of a sudden they, they turn that into a field goal drive. If they're punting there, who knows what happens? Probably nothing because the Colts offense probably wasn't going to go anywhere, but the defense was about to give the offense a chance to win the game. And I'll say, because, you know, we've been going after, Reich and we've been going after the offense and they deserve all of it. There were a lot of questions on that third down about why Gus Bradley didn't blitz. And I absolutely, that's a really good question. And we will ask him that on Tuesday. I'm sure you had a hobbled quarterback over there and it's third and long and you didn't blitz. Now they almost got home anyway. And I'm not sure there wasn't a holding flag. A Colt mysteriously suddenly came <laughs> up without being able to get through the line. Uh, but doesn't matter. You got to make the plays. And Austin Hooper made the play, and the Colts didn't. And those two games, to me, those two plays are the difference in this game. The pick six and that third down conversion. You know that's why the, the Titans are celebrating their fifth straight win against Colts. You're right, and they made winning plays to their credit. They got it done, and we're still talking about it. Like I hate it. Like to keep harping on the offense because you're right. Like, like the defense again played a, a good game, and, and that third down call, like I said, that you got to blitz more. When Ryan Taylor can't move anywhere. You can't let him sit back there like they did. But also, too, now we're talking about the Colts' defense allowing four field goals in a game and the game coming down to a third and, I think it was eight, or third and uh, third and long, you know, stop to get the offensive ball back. And they still, this offense is so bad that even when your defense holds the, the Tennessee Owens to four field goals and 12 points, you still have not done enough to get the job done and put yourself in a position to win the game. So for those listening right now live on Twitter, again, this is the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Ryan Hickey, George Bremer here with you. I want to ask you this question, George, and feel free to chime in if you are listening on Twitter. We've talked about the offensive ineptness right now. We've talked about, you know, Matt Ryan struggles with ball security. It's seven games. Is it time, if you were Frank Reich, George, to put Sam Ellinger in and kind of give him uh, the reins on offense? No, I say himself said that he's two years away from being an NFL quarterback this preseason. He knows, you know, he's going through a, a pretty intense program with, with Tom house, trying to strengthen that shoulder and trying to get his mechanics down where they need to be. He's just not an NFL quarterback at this point. I think one thing I don't understand, you, you pushed him up to the number two spot so that he could come in and in, in short yardage situations. We've had a couple of those spots here in the last two weeks and, and he's not been on the field, you know, for third and one, or last week on the on the two point tries, 
I don't get that. I think it's time to, to start seeing that package. Otherwise, why is Nick Foles not still the number two quarterback? Uh, but I don't, you know, again, I, it's what I said earlier today. Go watch the Packers right now. Look at look at Aaron Rodgers' numbers. I don't know what he finished at. At one point today, he had 12 completions for 65 yards. Tom Brady's team just put up three points in a loss to the Panthers. You know, what's the common denominator? They don't have an offensive line right now in, in Green Bay. They don't have an offensive line right now in Tampa Bay that can protect these guys. And, and we're talking about two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. So, you know, d- does it give you a spark? I don't think so. I just don't think Sam's ready. I think I think you're going to get a lot of oohs and ahs as he makes nine guys miss and still gets sacked for a two-yard loss. But I think that's – I don't think you're going to get any difference. I mean, I, I would understand the move if they do it. I just don't think it's – I don't think it's something that's going to make a difference. The reaction so far is very interesting on Twitter because I, I put this question out there at Ryan underscore Hickey number three on Twitter and at GM Bremer on Twitter as well. And the reaction is almost 50-50. Would you, you know, is it time for Sam Lillian to get a look? Some people are saying yes. Some people are saying no. You are saying no. My thing, I guess, is this. Going back to the definition of insanity. I get yes. This is on the offensive line. I, I understand that. And again, if you're uh, – a move has – you a move has to be made there first. I think with the coaching, you got to make a move – Chris Strasser, listen, I'm sure you're a great guy. Time to go. Time to get a new voice there coaching him up. If that move's not going to be made, though, honestly, George, I don't know what else this t- – like, I don't know what else to do. Because if you're – like, you need to do something. Something has to change. Like you mentioned, they have they have rotated, and it's been a, a carousel and the offensive line of, of who's starting where, or sliding guys over. Outside of one game, nothing really so far. Six out of seven games, nothing's, nothing has worked. Like, what else are you going to do? They've tried the no-huddle offense. They tried the quick passing game. They've tried to run the ball first earlier in the season. They tried no huddle. I don't know if I mentioned that already or not. Like they have, to the Colts' credit, they've tried. Yep. They've tried almost everything, and for the most part, everything is is still the same. Where we are still seeing no protection. Matt Ryan getting hit a lot, and this offense not being able to to throw the ball more than ten yards because there's no time. I, yep. I'm with. I don't think Sam Ellinger is very good. I was very upset when they even put on the 53 man roster. I, I cut it. I just think it was very unnecessary to have three quarterbacks on the roster, and could have used that roster spot somewhere else. But that said, like his mobility right now, a quarterback is almost exactly what this team needs. Like, forget the throwing ability. You just to be able to extend plays is something that this Colts team, I think, desperately needs, and they obviously don't have a Matt Ryan. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt that Matt Ryan's not going to be out there running around and extending plays. It may not happen. He he does have good pocket presence, and you see it at times. I think there are a couple times today, and I kind of tried to point it out on Twitter when it happened, where he really moved up in the pocket and did a really good job, made a play, you know, found a receiver and, and kept the, the drive going. But the problem is he does that a couple times, and he throws a couple interceptions, and they cancel each other out. You know, so at right. the end of the day, uh, or probably don't cancel each other out. Honestly, it's going the other way. Uh, because the interceptions have a lot more negative effect than 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 there is a positive effect from those two plays, you know. Again, I, Frank Reich said after the game it's not happening, so I know that Sam Ellinger is not coming in. You know, he said Matt's our quarterback, which is whenever your head coach starts having to say that, that's always a bad sign. You know, I just go back to whenever it's whatever the quarterback's first name is is our quarterback. You know, things aren't going well yeah. uh, because he's obviously getting asked that question, which means things aren't going well. And when that's the answer, things aren't going well. Um, you know, I. I Look, it's not going to make a difference. I really don't think so. But I, I get where you're coming from. I 100% understand the idea of you've tried everything else. Um, I just don't look. You know what Sam Ellinger did in the third and fourth quarters of preseason games were outstanding. Uh, I give him all the credit in the world for going out there. He's definitely improved from where he was a year ago. But honestly, anything that happens after the second quarter and usually the first quarter of a preseason game, you should erase from your mind because it's it's not NFL football. And I don't think it would be the same result. The one time he played like close to a starting defense was against Detroit when he came in right after Nick Foles at the end of the first half and he couldn't move the ball. So, you know, it's short sample size. I get it. I know there's gonna be a lot of people mad right now. I just don't think that Sam Ellinger is the the savior for this football team. I would definitely not the savior. I would hundred percent agree with you there. I think the, 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 the part that I'm grappling with, I guess, is if you make that move, I almost like, it's tough to go back. Like if you make the move now and you go, all right, we're benching Matt Ryan to go with Sam Ellinger. It's week eight. I, I, my hopes are not high. Like this is this team's not going to like. I don't think this offense is going to magically be better, or they're going to find their answer. You know, for the quarterback of the future. But then it's also too like, and you can go back to Matt Ryan. It's that's tough. 
Yeah. That, that's tough to make, kind of make that flip flop. And you go like week 12, we're going to be sitting here going like, all right, let's bring Matt Ryan back. That's the only Nick reason. Foles. Right. Oh God. Like, I, I mean, right, it's like, not, not a good answer. No, and that's, it's so frustrating because it, it's the Colts need to find answers. And the most frustrating part is right now, their offensive line is really not allowing any answers to or any questions to be solved because they can't. Doesn't matter who's back there. Give them, give them time. And even like I said, Matt uh, Sam Ellinger brings mobility to this that they've not had. But then it goes back to you know your point about canceling out. Well, if can't throw the ball accurately. He's not very good at reading defenses, and you know his, his arm strength is okay, but it's not where it should be. His accuracy is questionable as well. I, like is his mobility going to cancel out some of those negatives? Probably not. But that's where the Colts are right now. Where it's just. Uh, again, an endless cycle of talking about different problems on offense that all funnel back to one problem with one unit and five guys. But that's why I think that you need to get him in there in that package that they have for him. Because I do think you get a, a short-term burst from him. Until defenses figure him out, he would come in and he would make some plays. You know, It would take some time for them to get the video. And if you've got a, if you've got a package for Sam Ellinger, which they say they have, and you brought him up to be the number two quarterback because of that package – I do think it's time to go to that package. I don't think it's time to bench Matt Ryan for him, but I do think it's time to get him out there and let him make a couple of plays because it's going to take a while for defenses to catch on in, in a short taste like that, and it's also going to give him a chance to get his feet wet. If he is going to be the guy for the future, that's the way he, he's going to find that out. That's the way it starts. So to me, you know, if there is a short yardage package, as they've been talking about, then let's see it. I hate – like, I don't want to sound – Defeated, George, but honestly, I feel almost as defeated as the Bron- like after the Broncos win, ironically enough, uh, in Denver a few weeks ago. Just because, like, honestly, you're talking about bringing them in and providing a spark. And you're right. And you're right. Also, take a few weeks for them to figure out he can maybe absorb a Taysom Hill-esque role for mm-hmm. a little bit, right? But honestly, my brain goes back to, well, what does it really matter? Because if he's not bringing up a 60-yard touch, like, if he can get a second and two first down, great. Well, then it's going to be first and 10, and it's going to be like the same problems over and over again where Matt Ryan's going to be dropping back and having guys in his face. And, you know, we're, we're get, trying to get excited about a five-yard slant right here or make sure Jonathan Taylor doesn't get stuffed behind the line for two yards, a two-yard loss. It yep. just goes back to the end of the day. It's like this offense is, is so neutered because they don't have any time to protect that even like a, a solution that you're bringing up, it's hard for me to, to get excited about because then my brain just goes back to, okay, great. That's a short term, you know, maybe two, three plays at a time works. And that's well, how are they going to get the other, you know, 60, 70, 80 yards they need to score a touchdown? It, it's just so hard to be excited right now because they've just beaten the life out of you. So they can't 100%. do anything. Hundred percent. I will say, anything. probably the one thing that 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 would help a little bit uh, that I got to give Nate Atkins of the Indy Star credit for this because it was his idea. You know, maybe you can do a little more jump balls with Michael Pittman Jr. We saw that one time today. He he did what he always does, kind of boxed out the defender pulled down the ball, made the catch. If you're going to have the risk of interceptions anyway, if you're going to turn the ball over anyway, those can be some arm punts in situations like that. I do think sometimes when the play is breaking down and Matt Ryan doesn't want to throw it away, you know, maybe it's not a bad idea to throw it up a few more times and not just for Pittman. I mean, Paris Campbell's done it a couple of times. We've seen him do it, especially in practice. Alec I think Pierce. Alec Pierce has shown that he's very good at that. I think Mike Strawn's got the body type to suggest that he could do it. Jelani Woods, Mo Alley Cox, you know, maybe a, a few more of these 50 50 balls. And it sounds funny because the team's turned the ball over 14 times in seven games, but maybe the answer is to be a little bit more risky at times in, 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 in some of these short yardage because somewhere you've got to get a, a big play. And I don't know how else you're going to get one other than basically, you know, saying the line can't protect. We're just going to throw a 50 50 ball up there. You're not going to do it every every snap obviously but i mean is it going to be worse than than the pick six today no all right at least at least there like you said it's an arm punt so best case scenario you throw 30 yards down the field all right you tackle right there and it's kind of like you know a crappy punt and listen we saw that hawk today have what how many five six bad punts Mm. average of 35 so it's what's the difference you know everybody throws up 30 yards and matt hawk kicks it 25 yards and it's a bad bounce no real difference george but I think it's one of those things you you need to you need to get a spark wherever you can find it. That's why I'm in favor of the short yardage because you're 100 percent right. Okay, you pick up a first down here, you you stuck your finger in the dam. There's still water pouring in everywhere else. How's it going to work? You know, I I think that the short yardage is one way. I think the jump balls are another way. I just think you've got to look for little ways to try to get more of a spark. 
give Jonathan Taylor more carries out of the shotgun. You know, he did a really good job with that. I think he runs well out of the shotgun. I think he runs well at tempo. We've got a very short sample size, but what we saw from him today and what we saw in the fourth quarter in Houston, I think he has earned the right to get some more carries out of the shotgun and see if that can help, you know, provide a spark. Maybe you get a big play there. Uh, but at this point, I think you got to, nothing should be off the board, nothing. And so even, even benching Matt Ryan, nothing should be off the board because you have what you just scored 10 points and, and lost a game that was a critical game. And it's a sixth time in seven games this year. That you can look at the offense and say, maybe the fifth, I mean, maybe they did enough against Kansas city, but you know, more often than not, you, you come out of the game this year and you feel like the offense really didn't hold up. It's end of the bargain, even in some of the wins, certainly the Denver win. So 10 points ain't going to get it done. I know defense can take it on their, their chin as much as they want to. They can, be stand-up guys, and they can talk about they need to even you know give up fewer points. Fact of the matter is, you're not going to win many games in the NFL with 10 points. You're 100% right, and the fact that the Colts somehow yet again lose a game which the other team is not scoring offensive touchdown, unbelievable, unbelievably bad. So let's start to wrap up the pod then with this, George, because we've highlighted basically for most of the podcast how bad the offense is, and rightfully so because there's, there's, it's – this is the biggest reason why this team, again, is not having a better record than 3-3-1, three, three, and one, which they absolutely should, considering the competition they have played. Another first half, big-time deficit. Another offensive horrendous performance. The fans are calling for it. Let me ask you, do you think it's time for Frank Reich to go in season right now? No. I mean, it's still 3-3-1. Three, three, and one. you got to look at the big picture. Things are terrible. There's no question about this. Uh, we've been talking about it all year long. I don't think we've shied away from how bad things are, how bad the offense is. Uh, statistically, still, I think they were 29th coming in, 27th in scoring now coming in with that 34-point game. They're probably going to be back close to the bottom again, if not right at the bottom you know, after the 10-point performance today. So, um, you know, I get that. And any time that, that your head coach, his side of the ball is, is, is the side that, that's really – the problem, you know, that, that everybody's pointing to the, this, what's going to happen. But I go back to the same thing again. It's not going to matter. Is firing Frank Wright going to suddenly bring an offensive line in here? Cause I don't care. You could go get Vince Lombardi and he's not going to call plays that are going to work with this line. You know, it, to me, the fact that they're three, three and one is shocking. Um, not that they're struggling on offense. You know, they, they probably shouldn't have won three games at this point, to be honest, they found a way to do that. And, you know, that's to their credit, I guess. But also, as we look around the NFL, and we were talking about it in the preview pod, you're still in the hunt. You know, they're going to drop out of the seventh playoff spot, I, I imagine, with a loss today. But you're going to be, what, a half game back from, from a wild card spot? Um, a half game out in the division? Now you're not going to win any tiebreakers because you got swept by Tennessee and you're 2-1, 3-1 and one in the division. And the best you can be is 2-3-1 in the division. So you're going to have to finish ahead of, you know, everybody because you're not going to win a tiebreaker, but they're still in the race. And then you don't fire the head coach when you're in the race. I understand where that's coming from. They look terrible and the offense has been inept. I don't know any other word for it. Um, it and the starts have been awful. I mean, it's now five division games and five times they've trailed by double digits. I get it. I get where it's all coming from, but it's kind of the same thing that we were talking about with a lot of the other stuff. I just don't think it makes a difference. I, I don't know. I mean, you want John Fox to finish out as the interim coach. Do you think that's the answer? I don't know. That makes a difference. I would agree. First of all, I'm with you. I don't think Frank Reich should be fired right now. I, I, I think right now it's almost a foregone conclusion. At the end of the year, it's a different story. Mm -hmm. But right now in season, I'm with you. I don't think Jim Mercer should make the move because, like you said, it's really fixing nothing. I, I guess maybe it's a package deal if you get Chris Josh out of there too. But that's really good. <laughs> I think the offensive line is really only – area where you can make a change coaching wise and actually have it make a tangible difference for sure. You know, it seems mm -hmm. like going anywhere. I know record wise they're in the hunt they're three, three and one to this offense. Like this team is not very good. The rest of the AFC stinks, um, which is kind of keeping them around. But from what we've seen, this is not a playoff team through seven games no. by far. And so, even if they sneak in, what are they going to do? Right. Like they're not beating anyone, you mm -hmm. know? So it's like, right. How truly viable are they as a playoff team? Not very much whatsoever. But the thing that I do keep thinking about, George, and why, at least right now as we record this, as you're obviously listening live, but if you're listening uh, the next day, we are recording this, you know, right after the game on Sunday. If there was to be a move made by Jim Irsay, again, I wouldn't do it. You said you wouldn't do it. If Jim Irsay was to do it, though, 
This feels like the game he would do. I know they're 3-3-1, three, three but you lose another game to the Titans in which the offense was feeble, in which you have another slow start to the game. We've we talked about George, and I'm sure Jim Mercer is sick of hearing about it, how slow starting this offense is. And here you are, shut out again in the first half. You're, let me get the numbers here. It's just absurdly how bad uh, this team is. It's 98-39 is what they've been outscored by so far in seven games in the first half. 98-39. So it's been a problem all season long. The offense stinks. It's an offensive mind and head coach. And you get swept for the second year in a row, lost five in a row in six last seven to a team Jim Mercy hates the most in the Titans on their homecoming day, nonetheless, for, for Titans Oilers. Again, I don't yep. think Jim Mercy is going to, to fire Frank Reich either Sunday night or Monday morning. I don't think we'll be having to record another emergency pod to react to it either later tonight or early tomorrow morning. But this feels like if there was to be ever a move for the first time in Jim Mercy's career or a career's owner of making an in-season coaching move, this feels like the timing-wise, this would be the game after you lose to the Titans again. I guarantee he's all right. I mean, I don't even have to, to to guess at that. He didn't talk to us after the game, so you know, I don't have firsthand uh, knowledge of that. Smart, by know, the way. Good thing <laughs> we for know. Him. We know, you know, what what he what his expectations were for this season. We know what his expectations are when they're playing the Titans. And I guarantee you, he's never going to be happy with 10 points. I mean, that's not who he is. Uh, That's not the kind of team that he wants to put out there on the field. Uh, But again, look, you know, I know a lot of this too. And I I feel like I'm the killjoy today, but I know a lot of this is driven by the, let's go get Sean Payton. Sean Payton ain't coming here. I mean, I just put that to, to rest right now. Sean Payton is not coming to coach this football team. Why would he? Does he want to come and, and coach a team with no long-term quarterback and, and an offensive line right now that's in shambles? You're telling um, me Matt what... Ryan and this offensive line and a potential mid-round draft pick because they're not going to be bad enough to get like a top three. That's not attractive for, for the best right now coach on the market? George, I'm like probably not. If I'm, Sean, <laughs> if I'm Sean Payton, I'm just going to take that TV money until the perfect opportunity comes. And, and this is not the perfect opportunity. I could say that with – with a lot of feeling. I mean, I honestly, I think there's a better chance he's coaching Houston next year than that he's coaching here. That's a hot. T- wow. I mean, I guess I can't. I mean, if they get Bryce the number Younger, one overall CJ pick. Stroud, they have a I lot don't of think holes. he'll be there either. I don't think he'll be there either. But, I mean, if you're going to choose between the two, you know, yeah, which one, one makes more sense? Or the Colts team is kind of picking like 13 or 14 with mm-hmm. a broken offensive line. And I don't know, Will Levis, no disrespect to Will Levis, a quarterback. It's you're not wrong. I mean, Chargers, Broncos could open up. So there's definitely more attractive openings. But also to that, then you're like, it's more of a pipe dream to get Sean Payton. And again, there's no real long-term answer at, at head coach anyway. And even if you want a Sean Payton, right? Let's just say like that. Let's just say it was realistic. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you fire Frank Reich today or at the end of the season. No. It, does, that it doesn't. doesn't help your chances of getting him. I mean, I'm technically Carolina's got a head start. You know, because their their coach is gone, so they can start interviewing people right now. So from that standpoint, you know, yeah, but uh, I agree with you. I mean, he's gonna watch the landscape. He's a pretty smart guy. He's gonna wait and see what jobs open up as the offseason goes. I don't think he's gonna take a job in November. You know, I, I don't think that's gonna happen. Um, I honestly think, you know, while we're just wildly speculating, because to talk about something other than the offensive line, Anything. I honestly think if if there is a head coaching change, which right now we're heading in that direction. I mean, let's be honest. It's more likely than not right now. Uh, I think they're going to go more of a Dan Campbell type. I mean, if you look at the guys that Chris Ballard interviewed when, when the job was open the last time, Mike Vrabel was one of them. Dan Campbell was one of them. And, and, and when you talk about, you know, when you hear what he says and what Jim Irsay says about this team needing to be tough, about them needing to win games the way the Titans win games, I think they're going to look for a Dan Campbell type. That's just my guess. If there's a coaching change. When it feels like there's a coach at this point, but <laughs> it is, they still bring some juice. Like this team won't look flat, which, uh, you know, is something now the results. I mean, you see Detroit's just a mess. So we'll see, you know, kind of who that is and how that shapes out. But anything right now, George, to get this team going in the right direction and just get off to a good start. We'll talk about more on the midweek pod. Cause we've gotten a little long already, but another slow start, another week where the offense just looks like that. Like it's like there, there's no sense of urgency. I know Frank Reich's huh? always kind of been that calm demeanor kind of guy. And again, it's worked out the other way because the Colts have, you know, played well in the second half, played well in the fourth quarter, not just this year, but in his tenure. So that, you know, that not panicking has worked 
positively in, in those situations, but also feels like it works negatively in these situations where you need to get off to a good start. You need to play well, and defensively it's working, but offensively another game where you just continue to fall behind, and you cannot fall behind. <laughs> this is just laughable with how bad the AFC South is, but – I think going back to last year, and they've had double-digit um, deficits going back to week uh, was that week 18 in Jacksonville. So six straight mm-hmm. division games, you have fell behind by double digits, and they have uh, they've not won. We'll say because it's a stupid tie. They've won only one of them, I should say. Yeah, that's, that's pathetic. Only won one of them. Pathetic. No, it's and that's honestly at the end of the year when when they're you know taking stock of everything, that's going to be the biggest knock against Frank Reich. You've got to take care of the division. And they just have, you know, the reason they're not winning these division titles, they're one, three and one against the AFC South right now. If you're three, one and one against the AFC South right now, you're running away with the division. You're the, the, the odds on favorite and you've got a cushion. You know what I mean? They're not winning games against the teams. They have to beat the most and they're not powerhouse teams. I mean, nothing against Tennessee because I think Mike Vrabel is one of the best coaches in this league. And I think he gets more out of his team than than probably anybody out there. And they they find ways to win just like this all the time, consistently. But their roster doesn't scare you. You're not going into Tennessee week saying that this team's going to overpower you. Jacksonville's a young team. They're on the rise. They still find ways to lose more often than they are finding to win. Witness today against the Giants. You know, Houston, I think Lovey Smith's done a really good job with them in terms of giving them a little bit of hope and making them really be a pain in the butt kind of team to play. Uh, but they're not they're not a threat. And yet here you are against those teams, one, three, and one this year. That that at the end of the day, that's the biggest knock against Frank Reich. They are still, it's crazy to say and frustrating to say, they're the most talented team in this division. You just highlighted the Titans do not scare you, and they were banged up coming to this game anyway. So the Jackson, the Jaguars are young. The, the Texans have no real talent. And here you are talking about a team that through five games in the division is one, three, and one. That, that's going to get you fired. That's going to get you fired. And like I said, it's not going to bode well come January for Frank Reich. Again, I will be I will be lying for that. I didn't have Jim Mercer's Twitter notifications on between now and let's say Tuesday morning. I don't – me, both of us don't expect a change. I guess I'm just not 100% sold that maybe Jim Mercer is, I'm sure, in rage state at this point. Uh, that we won't see like a uh, a video from him in front of his private jet with the with the jet engines playing, you know, where you can barely hear what he's saying, saying they were making a coaching change and that Frank Reich has got to go. But man, what a, just a, a frustrating loss of the Titans again that they should have won. We both thought they would win going in. And to close on this, George, another game where we truly don't know who this Colts team is. Like it's crazy to say we're almost halfway through the year. Yeah. We're through seven games. I couldn't tell you their identity. If they're they're a bad team, but like. W- not to just excuse our picks where we got where we're what, one and six now in terms of picking these games right, but I think they it are. speaks to a bigger point of we had no we truly have no idea who this Colts team is. Every week's a new season, and this season was not a good one. We'll see if uh, next oh. season is 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 better. You know, um, the only identity they have right now is self destruction, and that's <laughs> not one that you want. I mean, that's that's the only thing they've done consistently this year. That is, I think, the perfect way to end the pod. The three, the three turnovers, the pick six, the sacks, the quarterback hits. The Colts have perfected the art of self-destruction. That's how you end up right now through seven games at three, three, and one. And still in a weak AFC South division, end up one, three, and one through your first five division games of the year. And it does culminate in another loss of the Titans. Five in a row now. Tennessee has won over Indy. Six out of the last seven. Mike Vrabel is absolutely pantsed. Frank Reich in this rivalry the last like four or five years for sure. It's been completely lopsided for how one-sided it was when the Colts and Peyton and even then to Andrew Luck used to dominate Tennessee. It has flipped on its head big time. It's flipped on its head very, very quickly, George. 19-10, the Colts go down 3-3-1 in the season. We will be back. If you liked what you, you heard, if you're a first-time listener to the Blue Horseshoe Pod, welcome in. I'm sorry it's not on better terms after what is another frustrating loss. But, hey, don't let the Colts impact your emotions. Make sure you're checking us out. You can get us wherever you get your podcasts, you know, Apple, Spotify, wherever you like to listen. That's where the Blue Horseshoe Pod can be found. Make sure you share with a friend, too. I don't, I don't know about you, George. I like sharing, you know, pods. I like listening to them, Absolutely. talk about them with friends. So just don't Absolutely. do it by yourself. You know, We're a very share. shareable pod. And Very sure why be angry by you know by yourself? Right, vent your frustration to a friend, and 
sharing the pod will help you do that for sure. So you can check George out on Twitter. He's, he's always giving his Colts thoughts uh, and updates at GM Burn. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan underscore Hickey in the number three. We will be back for a midweek pod Wednesday morning to break down if there's any thought or any change into how this Colts team can get off to a, a better start than what they have. And there's any reason to believe this season can get any better before it gets worse. So appreciate you joining us for what is a very, again, tough, frustrating edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod. It's been a lot of fun doing it live with you guys. Hopefully we'll do it again on joyous circumstances so far. We're 0 for 2 in live pods, George. Ironically, both came against the uh, Titans. Both are losses, so maybe we'll, we'll flip it around one day and figure out how to do a live pod after a win. But to now and then, safe travels back. I will talk to you guys on Wednesday right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.